Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast that you can hear every week on NWI.com and on iTunes. I'm your host, Paul Oren, and in a little bit, we'll be joined by my co-host, Parker Gatewood. And we're going to break down Valparaiso getting ready to go play at Purdue. And then they've got another game at Ball State. And we recorded our entire episode already, but i got to tell you that we did that before Ball State upset Notre Dame, which obviously makes Saturday's game against Ball State even bigger. Valpo, two tough games at Purdue and at Ball State. We've got a great episode planned for you. We've got Andy Evans from Mid-Major Madness, who's going to be on later on in the program, to talk to us about where does Valpo rank uh, among mid-major teams, and why do, why are they basically getting more love in the AP Top 25 poll versus the mid-major poll? And then a very special guest earlier in the program, you'll hear from Robbie Hummel, Valpo High grad, went to Purdue, chose Purdue over Valpo. He'll have a lot of great things to share about that, some good stories coming from Robbie Hummel. So without any further ado, here is episode number 43 of Union Street Hoops. Parker, we left off last week's episode saying, what were we going to know about Valpo's team from the Utah State game? Would they be 8-0 or 7-1? and And we thought it would be the first big game that we kind of got a test for Valpo. Yep. And then Utah State rolls into the arc, and they're shorthanded. They're down a couple of their players. What did we learn from that game? Yeah, well, I mean, first and foremost, you know, you learn that in in a game they had to grind it out. They pulled through for a win, which is, you know, that's promising. It was close throughout. It was a three-point game at half, and, you know, Valpo comes away with a seven-point victory. But, I mean, one thing that's always going to remain, I, well, I think throughout the rest of the season it's going to remain constant, Paul, is that we learned that Tavon Walker, every time he steps on the court, has a chance of being the best player on the court. He was outstanding Terrific. in that game. What, yeah. 26, I think? 25 nine. He was he was he was great, and a really interesting part of that game I thought was, I mean he was on from the jump. Yes, and one of the things I really looked for in that game was Bakari and what how he played the game, right? Because he had scored thirty the game before, and you kind of feel like okay, a guy scores thirty, is he going to come out and try and get thirty on the first basket he puts up? You mm-hmm. know, like be really overly aggressive, and he wasn't, and. And I, I had a chance to talk to Bakari earlier today, and I said that to him, and he's like, "Well, yeah, I know. When when you get thirty, everyone's like on you. Hey, you got to get thirty in the next game, <laughs> right?" And and he said that's that's not the way the game develops. No. He's not that's, that's not realistic for basketball. He said that in the game in Savannah when he got thirty against UNC Wilmington, Joe was off, Tavon was off. They needed a spark, and he he plays with the ball in his hand, and he was able to get that. Mm-hmm. And I believe his quote was uh, against Utah State, Tavon was cooking from the jump. <laughs> and so they didn't need Bakari to score 30. What do you no. think about a point guard who, who understands that 
just because he got 30 one night, he doesn't have to go out and do that again. Well, it just I mean, it shows IQ, you know. But we've known that about Bakari that he is a smart point guard. He's a good floor general. He has great ball skills, and so for so for him to know something like that is I I wouldn't say it's surprising at all because he's a very good point guard. And what what do they say about point guards? They're your coach on the floor, right? That's running the team, and I think that's what you see from. <laughs> Evelyn every time he is out there and I mean you know he goes from 30 he still continued to do what he does every game in uh, in the game against Utah State and that is you know move the ball work it around he broke he uh, broke some ankles out yes, there he did. in that one yes he did but he's just he's a smart player and that's you know that's what he is I one of the real joys of the Utah State game, which seems so long ago now because it was a week yeah, ago. Yeah, right. It was, uh, and and I think you could experience this a little bit too. We were able to sit next to Mark Adams from ESPN. That was great. That was fantastic. I have, I have to say because I'd never met Mark before, but what a terrific individual. He's been on the podcast a couple times. Uh, almost always, you know, when there's a big shift in mid-major out there and, and he talks about the do more with less he's a great follow on twitter um and and so i he, he was there he was at the game he he's going to be calling american athletic conference games this year so he likes the valley and he wanted to kind of see the new kids on the block mm -hmm. and uh, then the next night he was going to go down to indiana state but he sat next to us I tweeted out that night. I felt like I was getting a master's class in basketball yeah. sitting next to him. He he was great. He, I mean, he's terrific. And the best thing is, you know, we both asked him questions, and he had he had great answers for anything that, you know, we threw at him and stuff like that. What, and, you know, it's actually interesting that we're already on Bakari because that was one of the things that he was talking about for this team is, you know, point guard play. What's it going to be like? And in the first half, he said Valpo's looking really good, but – the point guards aren't making winning plays. I don't know if that was his exact quote, but mm. but then it was funny because he was he was saying I, I just don't know how strong Valpo is at the point, and I said, well, the point guard had thirty the last game, and his, <laughs> his jaw kind of dropped, you right. know, and 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 I felt like I felt like Valpo. Let's just admit it. I thought Valpo played pretty poorly against Utah State. I mean, yes. it was they proved I think in that game that they could win ugly. Mm -hmm. And I think you need a couple of those wins, and you need to prove that you can win. When you know Tavon was going off, but but I don't know. I mean, Joe was on a milk carton in that game, right. and uh, and and you know there there really wasn't. I, I don't remember was anyone else in double figures in that game. Yeah, you had um, Tavon obviously, Bakari, and uh, Jay. Jay oh, yeah. was sixteen and eight, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. He was. Uh, that was nice to see because I think a very good game. Talk about Mel Carton. We had said in the previous <laughs> episode that Jay had been on a Mel Carton a little bit, yeah. and uh, and so uh, that was good to to see him kind of finally break through and get going. I think Jay in that game made all the plays that we know Jay can make, and just in previous ones we hadn't seen that. We hadn't seen proof of it in the game against Utah State. You know, I just kind of laid it out there. So Valpo improved 8-0. I don't know if I know anything more about this Valpo team today than I did last week, even though they won this game. I right. know they can win when they're not playing at their optimal. Now they're going to have Purdue. And, Parker, I don't know that I'm going to know anything more about Valpo after the Purdue game yeah. than we know about them now, right? And, and I mean, I, I think we both kind of expect it's going to be a really tough game for the Crusaders. And it's, you know, it's not – I don't want to compare it to the games we had, you know, that we saw earlier where Valpo played, 
you know, teams like North Park and 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 because I don't even even the Samford and Southeast Louisiana. Sure. I because I don't I don't think it's directly relatable. You know, I think Valpo is a team that can compete with higher programs, but I mean Purdue's really good. This will be this should be, unless Valpo makes the NCAA tournament, which they could. I'm not saying they can't, but right. if they do, I still think this could be the toughest opponent they have all year. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd say so. Northwestern is down a little bit. Yeah, from last year. The other games remaining are at Ball State, which we'll talk about that one in a bit, at Santa Clara, at UC Riverside, and then the rest are conference games. And those will be tough games. Missouri State's pretty good, but nobody's to the level of Purdue yet. No. And no. I, the Valpo fans, man, they, they, I mean, they got victory parades in mind here. I, I mean, a lot of people think, they're, oh, eight no, eight Valpo no. can win this. Well, you know what else is different about this team? They're so athletic and they're fun and energetic, right? Yeah. So I'm sure that gives hope. Um, and that's not to say that there isn't hope. It's just look, Purdue's they're a top, you know, they're a ranked team in the country. They're very good. My question going into this one is, are we going to see a better performance in this one? than we saw last year when they went to Kentucky. So Valpo, dating back to 1993, is 3-44 against high major teams on the road. I'm not talking about neutral site. They got wins over, obviously, Ole Miss and Florida State in the NCAA tournament. They got wins over West Virginia in a uh, in a midseason tournament, um, you know other other teams. They've beaten a lot of. Does teams. Alabama count? Alabama, Alabama would be an SEC team. I wouldn't put BYU in there because no. they're West Coast Conference. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Valpo's won you know some some big games. You know, and obviously they won some games at home against big teams. Games that that stand out here: Illinois last year lost eighty-two to fifty-seven. They kind of got to disregard that game because of the fact that, uh, you know, they were so shorthanded. Yep. Kentucky, as you said, 24-point loss. At Oregon, when they were at full strength early in the season, 22-point loss. At Oregon State... I forgot the about year, the Oregon game. Yeah, at Oregon State the year before that, they won. That was one of the three wins. At Oregon, two days earlier in that year, lost by six. Now we're going back a little bit. Went to Missouri... In the team, the year that Valpo went to the NCAA tournament. Oh, I remember that, yep. Go to Missouri. Think you got a good Missouri wasn't even that good that no, year. No, they weren't. Lose by 15, 56 41. Yep. First game of Alec Peters' career at Illinois. Illinois. Lose 64 52. Not a very good Illinois team. No. Ryan Brokoff's senior year. Teams loaded. Should be great. Go to Nebraska. Lose by two. Nebraska wasn't very good that year. Nope. NIT lost to Miami of Florida, lose by 16. At Ohio State in 2011, Ohio State was nationally ranked 80 to 47. Played at Arizona, Bryce Drew's first game of the year. That was a nine point loss, and that was only a nine point loss because Valpo scored like the last 10 points of the game. There's a trend here. Uh, bad losses. <laughs> right. Go to Kansas, nationally ranked Kansas team. 35-point loss. Okay, well, that was, that was a really good Kansas team. At Purdue in 2009, last time Valpo went to Purdue, 24-point loss. Yep. Uh, at Michigan State, 30-point loss. At North Carolina, 11-point loss. At Purdue in 2008, 14-point loss. Then they beat Washington in 2008. 
We can go on and on and on. At Purdue in 2002, Scott Drew's year, 32-point loss. At Purdue, Bryce Drew's senior year, 78-70. to That's the last single-digit loss against Purdue. At Purdue in 1995, 21-point loss, although that's not really a loss because Purdue had an ineligible player, so Purdue forfeited the game. Valpo claims it as a win. Purdue still claims it as a win. Valpo says they're 14-2 and against Purdue all-time. Purdue says they're 15-1 and all-time. This isn't a big deal, no. but we could make it a big deal. Sure. <laughs> sure. My point is, in the last 24 years, Valpo has a win at Oregon State. Team wasn't very good. A win at Washington in the CIBI, whatever it was called. Yep. Valpo wins that one by one point. And a win against Notre Dame on March 3rd, 1993, 80-66. Valpo won at Notre Dame. Um, later on that year, they went to Notre Dame. The next season, excuse me, in March, they beat them. In November, they went to Notre Dame. They lost by 21 points. Um, it's hard to win on the road. Very much so. It's hard to win on the road against a high major opponent. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough. It's hard enough to win on the road in your conference. Many of these games I just rattled off to you weren't even against nationally ranked opponents. No, just bigger teams. I just I I think Valpo's good. They're eight now. Yeah. You don't get to – I don't care who you've played. You don't go a month without losing, without being a talented and, basketball and team. they were all previously 20-win teams. You know, yeah, most of the teams I've rattled off to you here, the, the teams that Valpo fielded in these games were postseason. They made the postseason seven years in a row, right? Yeah. And get, dating back, that's about ten of those losses are in the last seven years. It's difficult to say nothing of the fact that when Valpo walks on the court on Thursday night – it's not going to be five on five. It'll be five on eight. That's just the nature of the business, right? right. That's just how it is. Yep. Valpo's going there. I assume they're going to make some money off this game. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, maybe they are. Maybe I think it's a one-off game. I don't. There's no return trip or anything. Right. Um, you got to think Valpo's getting a little something. The referees are going to do their job a little bit harder on one side of the floor than they are the other, right? Smiths and Soroya will use all 10 of their fouls. You think? Martin Linson will play more minutes than he has, I think. And Malik McMillan will probably get time at the five, not necessarily because you want him to. <laughs> and nothing right. against Malik. I'm just no, saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I just I think this is going to be a exhaustive challenge for Valpo. It'll be a tough game. It'll be a, you know, they're playing a very good Purdue team. And, yeah, like you said, you know, I mean, it's hard – it's hard enough as it is to win on the road in your conference or just win on the road, period. You know, I mean, we've there have been several cases in recent memory where Valpo has just played tough road games and, and have come away, you know, losers in that in that regard. But to take it into Purdue, you know, it's in – and they take pride in their basketball. They are a solid school and very good this year. They have pretty much – I mean, they have every area of basketball covered. They do a lot of things very well. And, it's I mean, it's going to be a tough game for Valpo. We've got uh, we've got a special guest coming up a little bit later on in the podcast. That's what I heard. Pretty excited about this. Uh, Robbie Hummel is going to join Robbie Union Street Hoops. Hummel. And he's going to share some really interesting thoughts about playing at Purdue, growing up in Valpo. He was a ball boy for the Valpo basketball team, and it came down to – 
Valpo and Purdue when he was making his choice. And he gives the reasoning behind why he chose Purdue over Valpo, and it's really quite fascinating. A couple of interesting notes here, some some odd random statistics that we can thank uh, Aaron Levitt, among others, for coming up with these. First one, a Purdue stat. Valpo is going to be the eighth team during the Matt Painter era to enter Mackey Arena undefeated after at least four games. Purdue is 5-2 and two in those games. They've beaten Louisville, North Carolina State, West Virginia, Missouri, and Virginia. They've lost to Duke and Ohio State. So think about the eight. This will be the eighth time, right. and think about the, the, the grouping the that's teams. there. Oh, man, that's, that's a big list. Valpo is looking to start 9-0. and They're already on their third-best start in program history. Yep. The only other two starts in program history that are better than 8-0 have come from teams that had unique nicknames. Oh, uh, the uh, world's tallest team. world's tallest team from 1994-95 won their first 11 games of the year and finished 21-3. and and then the best start all time by a Valpo team, this is before all of our times, uh, the Victory Five. The Victory Five. 1923-24. Oh, they won boy. their first 22 games of the year. Oh, wow. So. They play Chicago State? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no? Too soon? <laughs> I don't know. And that Chicago State game was an exhibition. It didn't even count. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, obviously, if Valpo were to start, you know, 11 and 0 or 22 and 0, they would get a new nickname, and what the koala bears, right? The koala bears. We absolutely. settled. We settled on the Valparaiso koala bears. Yes, that, that was, was a, that's a good choice. Uh, with its win over Utah State, Valpo went perfect in November, 8 and 0. Uh, it's just the second perfect month that Valpo's had over the last 70 years, with a minimum of three games played in a month. February of 1998, the month before the shot for Bryce Drew, Valpo went 7-0. and And eventually they went 6-0 and in March before they lost to uh, Rhode Island. So they won 13 straight. Let's, uh, let's bring in Robbie Hummel right now. And let's, let's hear from Robbie and see what he has to say about the Valpo-Purdue game. Got a new job at ESPN. Here we go. Robbie, thanks for joining the podcast, and and how are you doing right now, Mister Broadcaster Extraordinaire? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. Um, actually, getting right here to watch some uh, some Big Ten basketball tonight. But uh, called the Illinois Maryland game last night. It was a good one, and just really having fun with it. You know, it's been a really cool transition. I, I think that I probably wouldn't have thought I'd be out of basketball playing wise this early, but the opportunity kind of presented itself, and I really wasn't enjoying playing overseas anymore. And, uh, you know, to me, I, I guess if, if I wasn't going to be an NBA guy, I didn't want to want to play anymore. So I play for fun now, and, and I'm getting to call a bunch of games, and it's been really cool. So very good. Uh, Valpo is playing Purdue this week, which it's kind of odd because I think for for Valpo, it's a big game, and I'm guessing at Purdue, it's like we just played two Big Ten games, and now we get to kind of chill out a little bit. Yeah, here. It, it, it's interesting with the schedule. Um, you know, I, I think that it's going to going to be tough for some of these big 10 teams who have geared up um for these big conference games and then you kind of gotta i guess you know tone it down because you gotta you gotta still play the games and these are really important games as well but um i could see where there could be a little bit of a letdown where you're going back into some i guess lesser names but you know Valpo's had a really good season this year and, and i know as a player i always really look forward to playing um against vu just because i thought it was cool to get to play against coach drew and, and bryce and I knew a bunch of the players on the team from high school. We'd go up and play uh, open gyms up at the 
Park. So uh, it was always a special kind of game for me. And, and obviously Valpo was a connection, a special game for you. But but from from a high major program like Purdue, when you see teams like – I mean, I covered a game several years ago. Lamar came in and played at Mackey. And it's like they're from a whole other part of the state – or the whole country, excuse me – that – how do you get up for those games? Is it more about self-correcting as, a, as your own team? Because, I mean, what, what do you really know about, about these unfamiliar opponents? Yeah, I mean, you're really working on yourself at that point. You're trying to get your, yourself prepared for, for Big Ten play. and You're trying to improve as a team. Uh, you know, I swear the coaches at Purdue did a really good job of making these, some of these teams we played. They, they'd find ways to make them look good in film. <laughs> <laughs> these film sessions where you'd be like, Man, these guys look pretty good, and then you end up beating them by twenty-five and thirty points. Um, with that being said, there are some some teams that can get you. I mean, I I was on a Purdue team my freshman year that lost to Wofford, so um, you know they it can happen. You got to show up, you got to prepare, and um, you know for the most part, I think we did a pretty good job of coming to play. But it certainly happens where you can uh, you can get beat by anybody. You had a chance to play Valpo at Mackey. Uh, what? What was that experience like for you to to go up against Homer Drew and and to go through that? I think this was uh, this was your sophomore year, I believe. Yeah, no, I mean it was cool, and uh, you know it was really hard for me to not come to Valpo because I grew up. I was a ball boy for Coach Drew, and I was you know obsessed with the program. Almost, I would say, as a kid, I I used to check the RPI. I didn't understand what RPI was, but I check it weekly because it was the only ranking system that Valpo would be in. It ranked all all teams in Division One, and I didn't understand why Valpo would beat like UMKC and Southern Utah in a week and their RPI would fall. It didn't make sense. Like, I didn't understand that like strength of schedule was factored in there. Um, so it, it was just kind of a, a cool thing. It was hard for me to say no to Coach Drew. You know, I, it was a really hard phone call to make, but once I got to Purdue, um, it, it was it was a cool game. So I, I had so much respect for the Drew family and, and the Valpo program. Well, let me ask you about that a little bit. I So I... I went to school at Valpo and graduated in, with Lubos Barton. So we talked about him off off the air here a little bit ago, um, and we'll get to him. But but then when I came back in 2005 to to start writing at the Times, you were probably I think a sophomore or junior, yeah, a sophomore year, yeah, in, in high school. And and it was funny. I'll give you a little insight as to uh, as to how newspaper industry works. Um, I remember one of the first meetings I was at were, were prepping for our high school basketball coverage. And at the Northwest Indiana Times, we, we you know, somebody was assigned to cover every Valpo game. And the idea there was that we wanted to make sure there was a reporter at every single game because when you and Scott made your college choices, we wanted to make sure that we – we could be like, hey, you got to let us know. We've been there since day one, when really we were coming in on like day fifty, I think. But uh, anyways, I I remember I never got assigned a Valpo High game because I, you know, that was Jim Hunsley and Jim Peters and those guys were were covering it because they were they were waiting for for the news. But I was covering VU and they were like, well, Robbie Hummel this, Scott Martin that, and everything. And and uh, it, did you feel a lot of pressure in the community, you know, with with the Division One program right here, or kind of how did that how did that go? You know, not a ton. I, I think um, you know VU has a really good following in Valpo, but to me, there was more pressure on: Are you going to Purdue or are you going to Indiana? Okay. It seems like North Indiana is kind of split, um, or at least the region is split between Purdue and IU pretty pretty evenly, it seems like. Um, and, 
and I think there was more pressure on those schools than anything. Um, you know, Valpo kind of was through it. They went through a down period when we were in high school. Now, yeah, I think yeah. that had they have been going to the tournament on a yearly basis, there's a chance that I could have ended up there. And there's other factors that came into it, too. You know, myself and Etoile Moore became really good friends on the AU circuit, and we kind of decided we wanted to go play at Purdue together. And, you know, that, that ended up being a pretty big factor for me. But if BU had been going to the tournament consistently in those years as they had been in the late 90s and early 2000s, it would have been really difficult for me because I, I was – like I said, I was diehard. You know, I'd I'd get mad in the video games when they'd have the skin colors of some of the players incorrect. Like the white guys be black, and the black guys be white. Oh, they were the ratings were so off. I can and the remember close, and I was yeah. like, you know, it just it made me mad. But they weren't consistently going to the tournament. And I've always, you know, as a kid, I, I did love Valpo, but I also was a huge, huge fan of the NCAA tournament. I wanted to play in it every year. So at that point, they kind of weren't going, and uh, that kind of. I guess made my decision a little easier, but it wasn't. A, it was not an easy phone call to make to Homer Drew. That's for sure. Do you have a, a favorite memory of uh, of a childhood? I know you said you were a ball boy, but was there was there a player that stood out to you that uh, you know, a Valpo player that maybe when when you were you know really young you were kind of emulating your game after? I mean, my favorite player by far is Bryce. Um, you know, I grew growing up. My favorite players were Bryce Drew and Michael Jordan. <laughs> There's a wide discrepancy there, but yeah, it's debatable. <laughs> yeah, two favorite guys right there. Um, and I could tell you where I was at, what I was doing, who I was next to, what I was holding, anything about when he made the shot against Ole Miss. Um, you know, I, I just I was so into the team and whatnot. But I was a huge Lubos Barton fan. I remember going to games with my dad. He'd always say, you know, look at Lubos. He's six seven. Look at how he dribbles. If you get to be that high, because my dad's six six, you know, if you can get to that that high too and, and dribble with your right and left hand like him you're going to have a chance and so I kind of watched him a lot and I'll, actually when I was in Spain my first year I thought I was going to get a chance to play against him because somebody had gotten hurt and they were talking about signing it so I would have thought that would have been super cool for me but it ended up falling through um, but yeah Lugos Barton really, I really liked Rydis Groffs um, trying to think who else yeah, those. I mean, those were the standouts on that team. And then, those, and yeah, those guys were really good. Could could you enjoy Greg Tonigal, or was it because he yeah, was from Laporte? Was I was ball boy in the game where Tonigal made the three fourth quarter court shot um, against Belmont. Yeah, yeah, I was a I was a big Terrence Price fan when he made all the threes. I was ball boy in that game. Um, you know, there's just so many guys. I mean, Jason Jenkins was a good player. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to almost pick. You know, it's like I, I like Jared Nunes a lot. What was the other guard from Minnesota? Dwayne uh, Totley. He was a walk-on, and he ended up uh, ended up persevering through and earning a starting spot, and became probably what's his name again? Dwayne Totley. Dwayne Totley. I love Dwayne Totley. Yeah, big Dwayne Totley fan. I really like Milo Stovall. Um, yeah, a bunch of those dudes. <laughs> I, was, I was really a big VU fan. Good guys. Did you when, during the recruiting process? And would you play open gym ever? Uh, and maybe not even during the recruiting process, but would you ever come? Even when you were at Purdue, would you play? Get in some games during the off season or anything? Uh, in high school, yeah. Once I got to Purdue, no. But in high school, yes. So we would play with, like, uh, Rule, um, Skoglin was up there, the piano guy, right? Yeah, yeah, Arden, one of the great, great musicians. Yeah, um, those two were the big guys. The guards would have been, like, uh, Bram McPherson. Jake Diebler. Jake Diebler, yeah. So uh, we and Scott spent a lot of time up there, um, a lot of times. So that was... It was always really fun. It was it was cool to go up there and get to play with the guys and kind of see where you're at in terms of are you ready to play Division One basketball. 
What was, uh, I mean, briefly, you go to Purdue, um, you know, you got a chance to go to the tournament a couple of years. Obviously, you battled some injuries, but, uh, I mean, what, what, what stood out to you? What, you have a favorite memory from college? I mean, it's hard to pick one. You know, we won the Big Ten regular season once. We won the Big Ten tournament once. Uh, my freshman year, we were 15-3 and three in the league and got second place because we beat Wisconsin twice. And they didn't lose to anybody else. So, we, you know, my, my junior year, I think, was our best team where um, – we had myself and Etwan and Jawan were juniors, and Chris Kramer and Keith Grant were seniors. Lewis Jackson was a sophomore. Um, that team was really good. You know, we won our first fourteen, and then lost three in a row in the Big Ten, then won our next ten, and we were really rolling. We ranked number three in the country, and I unfortunately, you know, blew my knee out. Um, but that was a team that I think could have went to the Final Four. You know, it was just we were playing so well together. We were twenty, I want to say twenty, yeah, twenty-four and three. Um, potentially about to be the number one team in the country so it's it's still kind of hard to think back about that because we we just didn't get a chance you know we yeah. sort of lost in the, in the first round and then not been able to you know see what we could have done but it's just uh it's unfortunate but a lot of good times there were some tough times too but i you know i think that i made the best decision i could have and i have a bunch of guys there i'm still really close with and we had we had some really cool uh experiences and then, what your your senior year? You got a chance to go. You were back in the uh, the NCAA tournament. You played Kansas, right? Yeah, yeah. That's probably the toughest loss of my career. Not... 20, 22 points in the first half you had in that game. Yeah, it's just one of those deals where we played so well all game, and we were hanging on for dear life at the end. And um, the game ended so fast. You know, we got in the locker room almost, and you almost look at each other like. What just happened? You know, the last three possessions are like turnover for dunk, missed three for a run-out layup, and missed shot. And it's like that's how the game ended. And it was just like, I mean, it was it was crazy. I, I really, it's still a it's still a game that gets me kind of, I guess, not upset, but it's it's just unbelievable that we lost in that fashion. But um, it was a it was a great college basketball game. And the thing that's really stuck about it was the bracket kind of opened up. Uh, Kendall Marshall broke his hand and. North Carolina was was reeling from some injuries, and if we could have won that game, it's probably the worst team I played on at Purdue in terms of talent wise. But we could end up going to the Elite Eight or the, the Final Four. Oh, it's tough. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I want to go back to the game that you played against Valpo, and, and this is one of my favorite all time journalism stories. Um, you you played at Val, Valpo. You Val, or Purdue won fifty nine forty five. This was on uh, this is your sophomore year, late December, right after Christmas. And I remember you were, you were four of fourteen in the game and one of seven from three point. But like, you're I mean, you and Etwan both you know you guys d- did very well in the game and all that. And the game was never really in question. And uh, after the game, there was a reporter there from my newspaper. I'm not going to name him because I'm not a mean guy. But he uh, he 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 asked Homer Drew. Or no, he started with you guys first. He asked Coach Painter, "Do you think Robbie was pressing too hard in this game?" And Painter said, no, not at all. And he asked you, were you pressing too hard because you're trying to impress Homer Drew? And you gave him the craziest look. Like, And then Homer Drew comes in and he goes, was was Robbie pressing too hard in this game to try to impress you? And Homer looked at him like, Robbie Hummel does not have to impress me. Like, what are you talking about? And it was it was like a ridiculous question. But uh, I guess I want to ask you, were you amped up to play them at all? Um, you know, I, I probably was. Not, not in any like malicious way. I mean, some teams you get up for because you don't like them, or but yeah, I was excited to play against Papo because they were the team that I grew up, you know, really rooting for, and I wanted to show, you know, put on a good show. But but that being said, I wanted to play well every game. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't one of those deals where 
where I was really worried about, you know, will Coach Drew think I'm a good player? He offered me a scholarship. He knew you were a good player, yeah. That's not something on me, but I wouldn't say I was necessarily pressing. But, yeah, I, you know, I, I certainly wanted to go out and play well. Um, that game stands out to me because a guy that no one outside of Purdue, who I think had heard of, Bobby Riddell. Oh, yeah, he, Bobby was, was hitting all those three. Three three-pointers in that game, and I think he'd averaged like maybe six minutes a game or something coming into that, and he played 21 minutes. You guys had a, a short bench that game. He only had Yeah, he yeah. played a d- decent amount for us my sophomore year after that. He, had a, he started against Illinois, and he had a big game against Penn State where he had like 14 points. Bobby can really shoot. You might, you know, he he had that reputation coming out of high school, but he ended up making himself into a pretty good player at Purdue. Um, he would tell you, you know, his last college game we lost at UConn. He gets put in at the end of the game. He hits a step back three on on Kemba Walker. He he tell you that he, you know, he served one up for Kemba there. Who's <laughs> an NBA All Star now? But uh, no, Bobby was good, and you're right. That was kind of like his coming out party there. And then uh, I think what Valpo came back to you. Uh, I think maybe your junior year. Uh, when you guys were number five in the country, and uh, you played again, Ryan Brokoff was on that team for Valpo, yeah. and and uh, you had another, I mean, just excellent game, 15 points, hit all three of your three-pointers. And in that game, you guys played, like, 15 players in that game. <laughs> like, yeah. But uh, th- those are some fun memories. I don't think you played when... They, I sat out the game at VU, and that yeah. was the biggest point. Well, yeah, yeah to talk about that. I mean, that was when you were out. Was that... Uh, how hard is that not to be able to play in that game? No, I mean, I, I remember being there and just thinking, you know, this this is really tough because I, I just wanted to be out there and get to play in front of everybody at home. And that game was supposed to be, I think, a year or two before, and it got moved around a little bit for whatever reason. Um, it just would have been a cool little homecoming type thing. But it was a great crowd to arc. It was a pretty good game. I remember each one played really well. Um, yeah, it was, it was tough. And it's funny you mentioned Ryan Brokoff. Uh, him and I actually played against each other a good amount uh, last year in Russia. We were in the same league, and I might have even seen him in Spain, too. We, we've played against each other as professionals a couple times. So he's had a good career. He's been a good pro. He is, and he, I think uh, he might have one more gasp here to try to break into the NBA. I know that he had Matthew Dellavedova kind of lobbying for him this past off season, and Ryan's got one more year left on his deal in Russia. And, uh, the problem is he just is making a good amount of money over there. Yeah, so it's a risk, obviously. Yeah, it's hard when you give that up and you're, you know, your options are the D-League, and that's not a great one. But he's definitely good. He's a good player. He could, He's done well on their international stuff, and he's played well overseas. And, you know, I, I'm rooting for him. I hope he does. I know you touched on it a little bit at the beginning here, but how difficult was it to, to hang him up? And, and does the fact that you can still kind of stay in the game make that a little bit easier? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I, I, I've i wanted to play, I guess, as a professional since I was a kid. Um, the problem is I didn't want to play in the Russian League or the Spanish League or the Italian League. I wanted to play in the NBA. And I was fortunate enough to get to do that for two years and play in Minnesota and then go to camp with Denver. And, um, you know, this coming off this season, I actually had a pretty good year. I shot it well. I shot 47% from three and about 50% from the field. So I had a good year shooting the ball. Our, our team was severely dysfunctional and like there's there's more weird stuff going on over in russia than i can even you know <laughs> fathom but a lot of that in the news recently oh it's like it's such a weird place but um i i just you know i i didn't i didn't like it i every day was almost like i can't wait for this to end and i'm one day closer to going home and it's just it's not a fun way to live your life so um, this opportunity presented itself. I auditioned to ESPN. I had the big network stuff from when I did it two years ago, and I got Kurt Milan and ended up doing some studio stuff for him. And yeah, it just 
uh, it was just kind of something that came up, and I'm okay with it. You know, I, I still play twice a week in a league up here with a bunch of guys that played in college and a couple that played in the NBA, and it's a fun little league to play in. Guys know how to play. That's kind of the biggest thing I've noticed is it's hard to find games where people maybe don't treat it like it's the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, you go to like a, a gym or whatever, and it can be kind of hit or miss. So it's been fun to do that. And, you know, I, I think it has helped that I've been able to kind of stay involved with, with the game of basketball because it hasn't been something where I've had to give it up. I've watched more college basketball this year than I probably have since I played. So. And we, we talked briefly, uh, a, a friend of Union Street Hoops and a guy that's been on the podcast a couple of times, Adam Amin, you worked with him uh, to get to get ready for this. And is there, uh, is there a bucket list of kind of game that you want to cover or is there an arena that you haven't had a chance to play in that you want to go call a game in or anything like that? I mean, everybody says Fog Allen. Everybody says it's just such an incredible it's environment. So yeah, it's amazing. That would be one. Um, you know, I think camera would be cool, but um, I've been I've been to Cameron just not for a game. I've I've been to a practice there and I um, saw a scrimmage there. Um, you know, I'm doing Big Twelve games here in uh, in conference play for ESPN. So that I've never been to any Big Twelve campus. So I'm looking forward to getting to see some of these schools that I haven't seen and. Um, yeah, so I, I would say those. I, I think really the, the two main ones would be, or I guess even three would be the Dean Dome, Cameron Indoor, and Fog Allen. That'd be that'd be sweet. So uh, we'll wrap this up right here. I just want to say, so so Valpo is going to Purdue this weekend. You said that Coach Painter and the, the coaches at Purdue would do a good job of of kind of making these teams seem like they they could be world beaters. Valpo is going to come in with an eight no record. They're receiving votes in the top twenty five poll. As a player at Purdue, is that all the information you need to know that you're going to take these guys? All you need to know is they're 8-0 and they're receiving votes. I, I think that will get their attention. Um, and and Payton will do a good job of, of preparing them regardless. I mean, they, I always felt like we were very well prepared to go in to play anybody. He's really good with his game prep and just do a good job. But, yeah, I think as a player, once you, you see that record, you know, 8-0, and you see they're receiving votes, that, that tells you they've done some stuff this year, and I'm sure they will be uh, ready to play. Very good. Robbie, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to chat with us. And, and uh, when, are you, when are you on next? Well, you got a game? You're in the studio uh, tomorrow? I'm in the studio tomorrow night, and I'm actually at Purdue for the Purdue IUPUI game on Saturday. So, well, that, Do you think that'll be unique to call Purdue? I've already done them three times. Or okay. Three years, I had them at the Bahamas once for Purdue, Tennessee, and I had them for Purdue, Chicago State. <laughs> I'm a seasoned vet of calling Purdue basketball games at this point. Very good. All right, Robbie, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Some great thoughts from Robbie Hummel there, and Parker, I was particularly struck by the uh, 8-0 and receiving votes as all the Purdue players are right. going to need to know. That's super interesting. I mean, just think, well, what's it like to be a high major team and to you got a, an unfamiliar opponent coming in? Because, what I mean, I know they're only 90 minutes away, right? but, you know, it's not, they just played two Big Ten games. Mm-hmm. So now you got to step back out of non-conference. Who are these guys? Oh, they're 8-0. We can give them their first L. Yeah. Oh, people think that they're good enough to be in the top twenty-five. It, it, but that's and that's why it's so interesting because it's like you you almost feel like if you're a Purdue, you probably you, mean, you don't care. Valpo's on this guy. You, you probably could already chalk that one up as a win. But to to yeah to say that and to you know just have that in the back of your mind that was really interesting. Well, and just the, just to hear Robbie Hummel say that Matt Painter did a great job of getting them you know prepared and showing cutting the highlights in a way that makes every team look like they can they can be world beaters mm-hmm. i thought it was really interesting how did by the way how did you 
line that that whole thing up. Robbie? Yeah. Oh, well. I know you know him. Yeah, but... no. Uh, well, first of all, Robbie every once in a while will follow me on Twitter because I cover the Valpo High School football team. And so we interact on there a little bit. So I know that he knows who I am. I, I didn't interact with him much when he was – I was just starting being a reporter when he was in high school. So I reached out to my guy, NWI Times reporter Jim Peters. Jim Peters. Shared those digits. Quick text message here. Robbie, we want to be on Union Street Hoops. He said, oh, the award-nominated program. Uh, the soon-to-be award-nominated uh, yeah, sure. Program. I'm not sure what award it'll be, but well, we'll, we'll find one. There's, I'm sure there's one out there. So I, I shot him a text message. He said, yeah, absolutely. Let's let's get after it right now. He's in the studio tonight for uh, for ESPN and, and Big Ten. I think That's he's cool. doing some stuff. So, uh, yeah, and he's, uh, as as he said in, the, in his interview, he's doing a lot of Purdue games. He'll, he'll be doing Purdue... IUPUI this weekend, so he's going to miss he's going to miss uh, the Valpo game, which is too bad. But um, so there we go. We've now had two count them two former NBA players on the podcast in Bryce Drew and Robbie Hummel. Yep. Who will be the third? I don't know. That's a good good I, question. I don't know. We I mean maybe Rick Smith, maybe Marcus Liberty. Who knows? We can get some. Who knows? Livingston. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> good. Okay, let's talk about this. The top 25 poll comes out. Yes. Duke is number one. And, you know, there, there's looking down the line, Purdue is number 21. Any other teams that stand out here? Uh, Wichita State, who was in the Valley, has moved to the American. They're number six. Um, Nevada is a mid-major. They're number 22. Baylor, Scott Drew, is number 23. And then you go into others receiving votes and – Valpo has got five points. That means that right. they they got a combination. They either got five twenty-five, you know, twenty-fifth place mm-hmm. votes or votes. something, some other combination. So you can go online. You can you can look and see everyone's uh, ballot. They got a twenty-third place vote from Elton Alexander of the Cleveland Plain Dealer, who Elton uh, typically will take the top mid-major team or or, or a mid-major team. And give them a little bit of love, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and he does this. And he kind of interchanges them throughout the year. And then two other guys gave Valpo their 25th vote. Um, suffice it to say, if Valpo beats Purdue and beats Ball State, they'll get a lot more votes. Right. If Valpo loses to Purdue and beats Ball State, I mean, if Valpo loses to Purdue, they're probably not getting any more votes. No. And I don't know that there's, unless they beat Northwestern the following week, I don't know that there's a place to gather more votes down the line, but it still means something to be voted for, right? Sure, yeah. I mean, and I think that's fair at this point in the season, right? They've beaten a handful of quality. They've teams. played their schedule. Yes. And they've and they've won their eight games. They're so, undefeated. So three people who get asked to fill these ballots out think highly enough of Valpo to include them among others receiving votes, basically means they're the 42nd best team in the country according to the top 25 poll. Yep. Not necessarily accurate, but that's what it is. Um, what's interesting is that the mid-major madness poll came out as well the same day. Gonzaga's number one. They're a mid-major. I mean, they're in a mid-major conference, so they get lumped in. <laughs> right. Nevada, who's undefeated, is number two, and they've gotten two first-place votes. The only other undefeated team in the in the poll is Valpo, and they're ranked 22nd. So they're ranked 42nd in the country and 22nd among mid-major programs, 
which seems a little odd. And That's so interesting. I, I asked Bakari today when we when we talked to him during his media availability, I said, Bakari, what does it mean to get some votes in the top 25 poll? He looked at me and with a really sly smile on his face, he said, but we're still underrated in the mid-major realm. So he knows this. He pays attention. He's seen this. And then yeah. he goes on to say, look, our record is our record. It doesn't matter. It's, we don't look at record. We don't look at votes. We, don't, we just look at getting better for the next game and all of that. But he had a really, really funny reaction to that. Right. Where yeah. I mean, he's clearly plugged into the fact that Valpo is not getting a lot of love in the mid-major power rankings. And I really was curious as to why this was happening. So I tracked down from Mid-Major Madness the website, I tracked down Andy Evans, who is a reporter from Mid-Major Madness. He's a Valpo grad, and I asked him to share with me some thoughts about Valpo and maybe why they are where they are in the Mid-Major poll and why they're getting votes in the AP Top 25. So here is Andy Evans from Mid-Major Madness. Andy Evans is with us. Andy Evans, at Andy Evans 16 on Twitter. Andy, you're a Valpo grad. You're from the Ohio area. And you write for Mid-Major Madness. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I, I'm pretty excited to be on. It's, uh, I was a little worried when uh, Valpo left the Horizon League that I'd missed my shot to get on to Union Street Hoops. <laughs> We're making dreams come true one podcast yeah. at a time. You and I have a, uh, an interesting connection. We sat next to each other during what could be the worst Valpo basketball game of all time. Yeah, that was um, pretty rough, that, that game against Milwaukee and Detroit last uh, last March. Yeah. Um, I put it up there with the Iona-CIT game. Um, yeah, that's a good memory right there. I, I only was there for the second half of that. which so I was, Well, that's one half more than the Valpo team was there for. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think there was a 20-point home loss to Loyola sometime around that that time frame. That was uh, that was a game that uh, that was the year when Mike Rogers missed a shot at Milwaukee. Uh, and oh, it, I was there too. I we had forgotten about that though. They, well, that was that was a great game. It just was an unfortunate result if you're a Valpo fan. And then it came down to uh, Valpo. Valpo beat Missouri State, who is they're now in the conference with in the bracket buster. And then ultimately uh, Valpo lost at Green Bay, came home and got just trounced at Loyola. So. Yeah, I, I, Andy, the reason why I want to have you on today is so some interesting things went on earlier today. It's Monday as we're talking, and the um, mid-major madness power rankings came out, which is this is actually really meta because Lexus Williams is photographed in the in the uh, in the picture playing for Boise State, and Boise State has now climbed up to number eight in the mid-major madness poll. And and again, we saw you know Lexus's final games with Valpo, and then. Uh, now he's at Boise State, and he just made a half-court shot to beat Oregon, which is great. But the mid-major Madness power rankings are out, and as normal, Gonzaga's at the top, and, and I, it's probably difficult to figure out, are they or are they not a mid-major? Yeah, um, yeah, I believe we've probably reposted the same article a few times yeah. about why, explaining why we cover Gonzaga, because we get the question every week, but um, yeah, since because of the conference affiliation, we include them. Oh, of course, and you should, because Gonzaga plays mid-majors in their conference play all the time. Sure, yeah, I don't think being successful should preclude you from being considered a mid-major, so that's my stance on Gonzaga. Absolutely. So, you know, Nevada is 8-0, they're undefeated, and they're number two in the power rankings, and they've gotten two first-place votes. You guys do, I think, ten people vote on this. And then... Uh, 
Rhode Island and St. Mary's are three and four, two programs that Valpo's beaten in recent memory. And then uh, Northern Iowa is in the Valley. They're number nine. Boise State's yeah. number eight with Lexus Williams. Moving on down the line here, Missouri State's number 16, another Valley team. They're seven and two. Um, BYU is number 18, another team that Valpo's beat. Loyola Chicago is eight and one, and they're 20th. And there's Northern Kentucky at 21st, and you got to go all the way down to number 22 to find Valpo, and they were not ranked beforehand, and uh, and now they're they're ranked 22nd. Now, I don't have any issues with Valpo being ranked 22nd in the poll, uh, and I think Valpo fans they may want to be upset about this, but then you can realize that Valpo's ranked and Oakland's not in the mid-major poll, and that should make everybody happy. But the thing that's interesting is today the AP Top 25 poll comes out. And Valpo got five points in that, and they're essentially ranked, I think, like 40th, tied for 40th in the country with Clemson. Yeah, with Clemson, yeah, sure. Which is interesting, because David Scarra is sitting on the bench there right now. <laughs> all connecting all the dots. Connect, we connect everything here at Union Street Hoops. So, uh, Valpo's the 22nd ranked mid-major in one poll, and the 40th ranked team in the country in another poll. I don't think they're the 40th ranked team in the country. I don't think they're that good, but I don't know that... I mean, do they even have a body of work? And the reason why I wanted to bring you on, Andy, is what and, – and I know you've watched a lot of Valpo basketball, uh, but what is the general perception or or is there even a general perception of Valparaiso in the outside world right now? Sure. Well, um, I know just from talking to some of my coworkers, they all know I'm a, a, a pretty diehard Valpo fan myself. Um, and so – you know, the only reason they even know who they are is because I bring it up all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, I was talking to a, a, one of my coworkers who's a uh, big Kentucky fan, as gross as that is. Um, and, you know, I was just mentioning, oh, you know, hey, Valpo got five votes this week. And he was like, oh, well, yeah, they're 8-0, right? That's pretty good. And I was like, yeah, but they really, haven't really played anybody. I was surprised that they got five votes. But, um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the stance is um, – you know, the, the schedule's relatively weak, but then, I mean, if you're also looking at the AP poll, you see Georgetown right below Valpo with four votes, um, and I don't think they've beaten the top 200 Ken Palm team. No, and Georgetown actually was in the PK-80 tournament, and when Patrick and Ewing... withdrew themselves. Yeah, when Patrick Ewing took over, they withdrew themselves because they didn't want to go there and get embarrassed. Uh, and obviously, Valpo's got Purdue this week, and it's a game that if, if Valpo wins that game... I mean, Purdue's ranked, and Valpo's going to Purdue. If Valpo wins that game, well, then it's justified that they would be receiving votes. And maybe it's justified now to an extent, but, you know, Elton Alexander gave him a 23rd overall place in his poll, and that's Elton being Elton. Every He's with the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and every week he puts in a good mid-major team that's probably being overlooked, puts him in at number 23 in his poll. Uh, and then two other guys, someone from Raleigh, North Carolina, and someone from out west, I think, gave Valpo 25th overall. Um, if Valpo were to beat Purdue, where would they go in the mid-major rankings? Well, I would have to imagine they would shoot pretty far up. What I'm more interested in, though, is the following game at Ball State. Absolutely. Think, Good point. Um, we'll kind of tell a bit more about where this Valpo team is. Um, I mean, obviously, a win against Purdue would be just a massive, massive win for the program. Um, but seems kind of unlikely, especially given the, you know, the strength of competition they've played so far. I think it's incredibly unlikely, and I think we're on the same page there. I don't, I don't, I don't know that there's a result 
that Valpo can learn a lot about themselves in the Purdue game. I guess if it's a if it's a single digit loss, you're on the road at a ranked team that's pretty good. A single digit loss would be a win, would it not? I I would have to think so. Yeah, and I mean, there's you know some other teams in uh you know the the mid major madness top twenty five here, uh, Louisiana Tech, who's um, nineteen is a good example of that. Went to I believe Alabama. Um, last week and came up, you know, just a basket short. And I think they, they actually, well, they stayed put at 19, but I know I moved them up in my rankings, I believe. So um, You make a good point about the Ball State game because I think I, I've been telling people we're eight games into the season with Valpo here, and I don't know if they're good. And that's they're not bad. I know they're not bad. No. Nope. But, but I don't know. As eight games in, I still don't know where they're gonna, how they're even gonna compete against the Missouri Valley. Because again, as we look here, Loyola, Missouri State, Northern Iowa are all pretty formidable opponents. Yeah, um, and I mean, so obviously the, you know, if you're just looking at Ken Palm rankings, Utah State was the best game Valpo's played so far, and they were shorthanded. Um, so I, yeah, I do think the Ball State game on the road, two days after, you know, kind of an emotional potentially game at Purdue um, will be a pretty will be pretty indicative of what what Valpo can do because Ball State you know no pushover um, so and that could be a tough game but that's I mean exactly like you're saying I don't even know I, I haven't seen enough against good competition to know can Valpo go on the road and beat Ball State I would like to think that they can but you know that, it remains to be seen I saw somebody on the the famed Valpo message board today uh, try to browse um, that every once in a while. You no, know, it's fun. It's good. It's it's good. I, look, a lot of good people. A lot of good thoughts on there, and I've met some great people through that. But then there was somebody I don't remember even who this was. So I have to check and make sure it's not like a, a, someone I know. But uh, someone was trying to walk through getting to eighteen and zero for Valpo. I what? Let's planet Earth. Let's get back to planet Earth here. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um... Nine and zero would be an amazing accomplishment. It sure would, yeah. And I mean, again, it, it's hard. Again, it's hard to say. But you know, if they come out play fairly well against Purdue, you know, they beat Ball State. I don't think beating Northwestern is completely out of the realm of possibility. But Purdue's a that's a pretty big stretch. Yeah, I mean, Valpo's had some really good teams that have gone to Purdue and not had good results. Uh, you know, the Ball State game, I, it is the litmus test for me. Even when I looked at the schedule, the Utah State was one that stood out to me too. But the fact that they were so shorthanded, I think, makes it difficult to to glean a lot of that from it. And truth be told, if you watch the game, Valpo did not play particularly well in that game. They still won, which maybe they prove they can win ugly. But I, I would say that, you something, I guess. Yeah, which that's that's good. But Ball State, that to me is the game that. The Purdue game is going to be fun for what it is and all that, but the Ball State game, that's the one that I'd point to. And now, obviously, if Valpo beats Purdue on Thursday, this is a completely different conversation. But, you know, I think to me, if they can come out of that road trip, you know, those because those, they're going to Purdue, they're going to stay the night there after the game and then go on to Muncie the next day. If they can come back to Valpo on that, you know, getting ready, uh, you know, as they head into the Northwestern game and head into finals – if they can come back from that nine and one, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, they'd be in a pretty good place. I, w- I would have to think. So let me again. Let me ask. So the the mid major power rankings. Uh, there's eight for Gonzaga, two for Nevada. Were you in the Gonzaga or Nevada camp? Um, I was in the Gonzaga category. Um, I, I had Nevada at number wrong. two. Yeah. Um, 
And back to the, you know, the whole Valpo question, I actually have them at 15 um, in my own poll, followed immediately by Oakland at 16. I think I might have been all of Oakland's votes in, in this week's poll. Um, I think Oakland probably gets knocked because they've lost some big games. But, yeah. they, I mean, there was they're playing brutal competition. Yeah, the loss to Toledo was a little rough. Um, Toledo was looking pretty good at the at the start, and then it kind of petered off a little bit. Um, and Oakland was not exactly dominant this past week. I think they went to like overtime at Oral Roberts, but um, I mean, I guess a win's a win. So that's kind of where I stood with them. And they were, they didn't have their star Kendrick Nunn for a little bit. What uh, what do you think about Lexus Williams at Boise State? What did you did that, you see his highlights that he's had this past week? That was I was really glad to see. Um, Somebody finally beat Oregon. <laughs> um, I had them at six this week um, after that after that big win, and obviously they um, really really put the hurt on Loyola. I almost dropped Loyola out of my rankings completely as a result of that. Um, I ended up talking myself back into it off the ledge there a little bit and put them at twenty. But um, well, good stuff. Uh, thank you for uh, for taking the time to chat with us here, and I guess we look forward to, you know, I, I would say, and in, in, in you're one of the reasons why, this mid-major madness power rankings, I do take it seriously, and I think people that follow mid-major basketball should. They should check out the site, midmajormadness.com, because you, you guys do put a lot of time and energy into looking at these rankings and, and watching as many games as you can. Uh, if... Do you have a mid-major dark horse that can put a slipper on in March right now? Um, dark, well, I mean, there's a few. I was a big uh, Vermont proponent. They kind of they ended up losing at Bucknell this week. Um, not that Bucknell is a bad team, um, but um, dark horse-wise, I mean, I don't even think you can call Nevada a dark horse anymore. They're ranked in the top 25. Um, but Rhode Island has looked kind of surprisingly good even with ec matthews getting hurt again um so you know any of those and then you know we gotta you, you have to hope maybe valpo beats purdue maybe <laughs> <laughs> you know maybe it's them you don't know so what what uh, the final question for you as someone who i know you write about this stuff but i know that you're a valpo grad and you, and, you, and you like the team what is there a point differential that'll make you feel good versus feel bad if it doesn't go valpo's way um, I mean, I, I think again, like you said, single digit loss would be a would be a win in my book. Um, I would think if they can keep it between ten and fifteen points, I'd feel. I, I think I would kind of have the same opinion of them as I do now, which is they're a pretty solid team. Um, and then, really, again, I'm kind of really looking forward to that Ball State game. I'll actually, I'm planning on making the the drive over to Muncie. Um, so it'll be my first time seeing them in person this year. So that's the one I'm really looking forward to. I don't really know how much, you know, Purdue on the road is, is going to tell us. But I think you're right. I think that there's been a lot of games that that Valpo's won that they should have won, and and this game against Purdue is one that, you know, on paper they probably should lose. And I think if it, I, I think it's very difficult to knock Valpo if they lose this game. If they lose it by 30, yeah. that's a different scenario. But uh, you know, I always. It's it's always interesting to me, like when when dealing with rankings for an extent, and this will be the, I'll wrap up here. I was a top twenty five uh, college football voter for uh, like Valpo's level. Uh, I never they change the names of it all the time. I don't even know what it's called anymore. But um, and the FCS, I think, and uh, and if number one plays number four and number four loses, 
I don't really drop number four in the rankings. They're supposed to lose that game. So, like, Valpo's supposed to lose this game. And if they do and it's within shouting distance, then I think you move on. If, If they lose by five, that's good. Valpo can compete. If they lose by 30... 25, 30, then, then there's problems. So it'll be curious to see what happens on Thursday. Yeah, that's kind of how I treat, um, you know, a lot of the, the teams when I'm, you know, voting in this poll as well is, um, you know, if you're playing at a, at a major, you know, conference school um, on the road, uh, you know, if you lose, I kind of try not to, you know, really count it against you too much. Um, so, yeah, again, I don't really know how much that one tells us, but, you know, it, it should be a fun game. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Very good. At Andy Evans 16 on Twitter. He's a writer for Mid-Major Madness. You can find Mid-Major Madness on Twitter at mid underscore madness. It's a great site, midmajormadness.com, part of SB Nation. Fantastic. Thank you, Andy, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so Parker, top 25, mid-major. Where does Valpo go if they win this game against Purdue? I mean, on to the next one, right? Right. <laughs> you know, they'll be 9-0, and and they'll carry momentum into two pretty big games coming up after that but i mean i look if they come in and even you know play purdue just solid what i i asked andy this and i'm going to ask you this what what number point differential let's say valpo doesn't win mm-hmm. what point differential number is success for valpo mm, see now that's a that's an interesting question based on how you phrase it because success like I don't think I think you could say a good loss to a Purdue team would be you know between like 10 and 14 or something but I wouldn't can say that success that's fair that's like fair. I like I'd say success would be less than 10 I think if you yeah. a single digit loss that's a successful night of basketball for Valpo against Purdue but I don't think you could say that for anything higher than that at the same time though it you know if if Alpo loses to Purdue by say 13 I think that's they probably have to play a pretty good game to get it to that point so I mean it depends on how you look at things really it takes uh, not counting the wins obviously Oregon State Washington which we talked about the last couple of single digit losses against high major opponents were I'm just eyeballing this here was the Nebraska loss fifty to forty eight, the Arizona the, the Oregon loss seventy three sixty seven, the Arizona loss in two thousand eleven they lost by nine, they lost by nine at Vanderbilt in two thousand eight, <laughs> they lost by ten at Wisconsin in two thousand eight, and that game should have been closer. The refs got in the way at the end of that one. Um, you know, really, other than that. They lost by five at Marquette in 2003, by two at at Iowa in the NIT, um, by eight at Kansas in 2002, by four at Arizona in 2001, uh, the same year they were within three days of each other, just over New Year's, uh, and then by eight at Purdue in 1998 with Bryce Drew on the team. They lost by four at Illinois that year, by eight at Vanderbilt a couple years before that. So there's been a handful of single-digit losses at high major teams. They're not all been blowouts. Right. Valpo's got the depth to run with Purdue a bit. Uh, Purdue's really good inside. Valpo's guards are going to 
probably be even, maybe. I mean, that'll be the closest in the in the backcourt, sure. I think. Plus, I mean, naturally, you know, their best player is a guard. Yeah, so that's that's. I mean, Tavon Walker will have to be Superman again, oh, like yeah. he was at Illinois last year, and he's got more help than that team had at the end of the year last year. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not to say that you know this team has more talent because. I mean, Alec was hurt, and Shane was—he he was like sick in that game or something, right? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was not I doing mean, well. There's no Jabril. It was that was. A, but I mean, Tavon showed that he can be a star. Oh, yeah, at this level, and I think he's showed it so far this year too. He is the first eight games. He is a Big Ten player. Tavon Walker yeah. is a Big Ten player. Valpo's last win over a Big Ten team came in 2004. They beat Penn State in a, a tournament. This was a unique, unique schedule quirk. They played four straight games. Uh, they played two games in Vegas and two games in Arizona as part of some tournaments. And just the way that the schedule shook out, they played, I think, December like 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st or something like that. A very, very kind of unique, crazy <laughs> schedule. Um, so here's an interesting one, though. Valpo, as soon as this game's done, they're going to stay the night in West Lafayette and go on to Muncie the next day, and then they got Ball State on Saturday. Regardless of what happens in this game, and I talked about this with Andy a little bit, I think, Parker, for me, regardless of what happens in this game against the against Purdue, the first true test of the year for Valpo is at Ball State. I felt like the first eight games, really the first seven games, were all games that Valpo should have won. Kent State and UNC Wilmington were, were tests, no mm-hmm. questions asked, but on a neutral court. So... The Utah State game was a test, but Utah State was was shorthanded. I'm not discounting the win. I'm yeah, just saying. And it was at the arc. It was at the arc. At Purdue, if Valpo loses, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. No. Maybe if they lose by 30, it'll be a surprise. I mean, or maybe if they... some diehard Valpo fans will be surprised, yeah. but other than that. If they lose by three, maybe it's a surprise. But right. the ball st- at Ball State, it's a good Ball State team. At Ball State seems to me the first game of the year, the first true coin flip game of the year. And let's say Valpo has an emotional game against Purdue. They lose by six or seven or, or ten or eleven or something like that. How are they going to respond twenty or forty-eight hours later? And that, to me, is the first real big test of can Valpo win on the road in adversity, coming off a, a tough game against Purdue. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the Purdue game will really dictate as much emotionally how they. You know how they go into the Ball State game, unless it's like you mentioned, unless it's a close one and it's a close loss. I think that's something that could then play into the next game. But anything other than that, I don't really see it being as much of a factor. I, I think, I think if it is a close loss, then one of two things can happen: either the players can come out, you know, ticked and and really go at Ball State, or they they might you know they might still kind of be on a downer and and not play up to potential for that one. Two big games against Indiana programs, you know, state rivals. Yep. Since the beginning of the 2014-15 season, Valpo leads the state with 90 victories. Purdue is right behind Notre Dame. Notre Dame's got 89. Purdue has 82 wins, and Ball State is eighth out of 10 teams with 53 wins. So Valpo is carrying the mantle, so to speak, uh, for now, again, do they play the same competition as Notre Dame or Purdue or Indiana? No, they don't. Uh, Another interesting thing about an Indiana school is the Missouri Valley Conference 
at this point of the non-conference season, every team is at 500 or better except for Indiana State, and Indiana State has a win over Indiana. Right. So this is a uh, <laughs> this is good. And one more point I want to make, Parker, before we wrap up, we got to give some love to our guy Lexus Williams, right? I was, you know, I was going to mention him earlier when we were talking about point guards. That's that guy. Tell you what, Lexus is thriving, thriving, and it, and it's fun to watch. I've watched more Boise State basketball than I thought was <laughs> ever, possible. Ever, yeah, yeah right. In and, previous years, and it's great. It's great to uh, to see him doing well. And you know, as someone who who sat in here and 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 did a nice interview on Union Street Hoops, and and someone who we've got to know over the last four years, I he's thought a great guy. he's fantastic. And to see him, first of all, they played Loyola in the uh, the Missouri Valley Mountain West Challenge, and he delivered an amazing block. Uh, and and yep. I, I texted him after the game. I said, that better be on SportsCenter Top 10. And I don't think it was. So what does Lexus do? He goes and hits a half-court game buzzer winner. beater a game winner. to beat Oregon and end the nation's longest home, home winning streak. streak. Yeah. And and I, so I texted him after. I actually texted a video. I, I, I shot the video of Scott Van Pelt. It was the, the best thing I saw today. And yeah. uh, it was great. And so kudos to Lexus Williams. And hope that you know they continue to roll and do well, and it's really fun to kind of see that happening. It is definitely, and and for you know, because Lexus transferred and thought that this was going to be a better situation for him, right? And yeah. and that's I mean that's what happened, and you can only be happy for the man for that. And and you know he's a guy that although he transferred away from Valpo, I think he'll he'll still come back to Valpo. You know, he'll yeah. you know, he'll he'll still be back. If he returns to the Chicagoland area, um, that should be good. So all right, Valpo Purdue on Fox Sports One. Kevin Kugler and Jimmy Jackson, former NBA player for the Dallas Mavericks and he played at Ohio State. Yep. Uh, his son played at Wisconsin. Uh, so that was uh, always good. They'll be on the call and then Todd Icon and Dave Huseman. What do you think? What do I think? <laughs> I think uh, 14-point loss. I think okay. 89-75. Nah, 79-65. We'll go with that. Oh, wow, so low scoring. L- lower okay. scoring game. It, 14 points is where I'm going to put it. Yeah, for sure. What about you? Uh, I think like 86-70. Okay. I think so. Yeah, just, I mean, you know, a touch above 15. I think... I think Purdue will. I think they'll put up some points. I turnovers is what I'm looking for. Yep, definitely. You know, assists and turnovers. Can Valpo? I'm I'm curious as to how Valpo can do minute distribution in this game. Will they continue? Mm. And, and Matt Loddick said today that that he's going to do it. He's going to continue to to kind of play all the guys in the first half and see who's doing well. And I just I wonder sometimes will will that end up biting them? You know, I, yeah, as you are testing things. As you're trying to test out your lineup in the first half, is Purdue going to be like, "Oh, we're not in testing mode; we're in attack mode." Right. And so, but again, I think Valpo can stay fresh, and I think, I think this should be fun. Interesting, interesting to note here that Valpo, uh, the UNC Wilmington game, they gave up 70 points. That's the most points they've given up all year. You know, defense and rebounding. Oh, wow. Does yeah. well, and and as Matt Loddick said in his press conference after the Utah State game. The one thing that travels, or the two things that travel, are defense and rebounding. Valpo can play True. defense. Can they play enough defense? I really don't know what's going to happen. I think it's going to be a 14-point loss. That's yeah. my guess. If it's if, anything in single digits or Valpo wins 
we're cooking up some crow, I guess, next week. Yeah, I, I think I think if it it, it is close, and you know, single digits, something like that. I don't think I would necessarily be surprised. I think that that's just that's just not what we think is going to happen. But I, I I think you know we look at this Valpo team. I mean, it's like we you know been saying, they ain't no for a reason. You know, they're a good team. They're a solid team with a lot of athleticism. I think. It's, this is my prediction is more based on how good Purdue is. Yeah, absolutely. And how much I think the officials are going to be right. The officials and the Mackey fans. I mean, it's loud. It's, it's a, great. It's, it's a loud. good arena. So right. I'm looking forward to it. Parker, we'll be back next week to to check out. I mean, the Valpo next week we'll be previewing another Big Ten game at <laughs> yeah. Northwestern. Yes, Allstate Arena, and that should be a a really kind of interesting game. But I think finally, you know, last week we said, what are we going to know? next episode that we don't know now and i don't know that we've changed a whole much after purdue and ball state i think we'll have a lot more information i think you're right all right parker thank you very much union street hoops can be found every week on nwi.com and on itunes thank you very much all for listening and we'll be back next week on union street hoops